1: Welcome everybody uh, back to another episode of Perimenopause Power. We're so glad that you are joining us again today. G'day Nat, how are you? Hi Lise, I am super. Fabulous. And today we are thrilled to have Dr Linda Deer joining us on the podcast. Hello Linda. Hello, nice to be here. It's lovely to have you on. I'm going to tell everyone a little bit about you. So Dr. Linda is a UK-trained doctor and certified menopause practitioner with the North American Menopause Society. She is the director of Menodoctor, a private menopause clinic based in New Zealand. She holds a postgraduate diploma in women's health from the UK Royal College of Obstetricians, or oh, can't say that properly, and gynecologists. She's also a psychology graduate, ACT therapist, certified personal fitness trainer, and yoga teacher. In her younger years, she completed an international gymnast as an international gymnast and is a Commonwealth Games bronze medalist. Through Menno Doctor, she is bringing together all of this expertise to offer women holistic and personalised consultations to support them through their perimenopause and menopause journeys. My goodness, there's lots of um, things jumping out in my head, Linda, so welcome, and I can't wait to get this conversation started.
2: Yes, it just sounds like I don't know what to do with my life,
1: really. I oh, know it's no no on the contrary you've had lots of experience so i'm sure that's going to shine through in our discussion today but i
0: can i just so, add i love how that uh we've got guests who are from the uk and based yes. in new zealand and vice versa and it's just you know how lucky we are that we get to spread our net far and wide and um establish ourselves all across the world so it's yeah it's fabulous as you were talking there lease
1: yeah and, and here i am thinking oh she's been to the uk now she's in new Zealand. How
2: she got to New Zealand from the UK, right? <laughs> <by> all the... <laughs> ah, well, I you know I just I met a kiwi in London. Yeah, that's, that's where they happened. all are. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: I just picked one up, and um, <laughs> and the next minute, literally. Well, yeah. he probably picked me up. That's yeah, the normal yeah, way I Yeah, but yeah, so that's what brought me here. My my beloved husband is a kiwi, so then we decided to up sticks and emigrate to New Zealand, and yeah, we've never. Never look back, really. How long have you been there for, Linda? So we came over in 2014. Oh, yeah. Okay, um, cool. So, yeah, we've been here long enough to have two children. And, um, yeah, we haven't got the dog yet. That's another thing on our to-do list. Oh, you've we you've got to get the dog. have got to get the, the dog. dog. That's next. Yeah. I'm just waiting for my boys to get a bit older and a bit less crazy, but that probably never happens. No, nah, it doesn't. Just just trust me, I've got two boys and you
1: just got to bite the bullet. And, actually, I find sometimes I find the dog just – you know, dampens things a little bit and makes it a little bit quieter oh, as well. So, you yeah,
2: know, that's I what I found it. with us. Oh, that's, yeah, that makes a bit of sense. Maybe I should get the dog sooner rather than later oh, then. Yeah,
1: absolutely, mm. absolutely. So we've heard a little bit about who Linda is and, and, and do you want to share any more, um, you know, how you found yourself working with women in menopause and who
2: Linda Deere is? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I kind of, after we came over to New Zealand, I, I was still a hospital doctor then. So I started carrying on with that work in, in a hospital here in New Zealand and then got pregnant. And it's it's kind of tricky to try and be a hospital doctor and, and make babies, mm. be a mum. And I was a bit older because I'd had that wiggly, woggly journey to med school where I did lots of other things before it. So I was I was an old junior doctor. Um, so then when I got pregnant and wanted more babies, it just seemed like hospital medicine was was never really going to be for me. And I'm not sure it really was anyway. Um, so that's when I became a GP, started training to be a GP. So that's what I did for a, a good few years. And, you know, as a GP, I started to mainly see lots and lots of female patients because I was a female doctor and, you know, most mostly we see female patients. And because I was in the similar age range, I was getting lots of women in their 40s and 50s. Mm-hmm. And I started to realize... As, pretty much every second person I was seeing it was perimenopause it was perimenopause it was peri it was peri it was just peri everywhere I was like oh my goodness there's like some sort of epidemic that we've not been seeing as doctors and um, me included you know when I first started in general practice um I my peri radar was was not on um and then as often happens I think with a lot of as people who, you know, when we you start to work in the menopause space, often it's because it's come along and, you know, slapped you in the chops, which yeah. is kind of what it did for me in my, um, pretty much as soon as I turned 40, to be honest, it was like a birthday present, an yeah, unwanted one, one that keeps giving and giving and giving. Oh, it doesn't it? And it keeps turning up with something else. And you're like, no, I don't want that either. Thank yeah. you. And nothing's returnable um so yes yeah, so as i started to have some symptoms and think oh my god here we go it's my turn um that really motivated me i think you know it's kind of selfish isn't it but i think a lot of us in our lives when when we taste something we really get it and we um, if it's bad we want to help um so yeah me experiencing it and thinking as everybody does, I'm too young for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and realizing, oh, hang on, I'm not, mm-hmm. which is depressing in itself. Um, so that was, that was when I really thought, I want to get into this, I want to understand this. And that was all I was doing as a GP, really, as I said, anyway, and trying to cram that into 15 minutes is literally yeah. impossible. As, as are most health conditions, really, especially when it's a woman's body in front of you because our bodies are way more complicated than men's. So after chugging along, trying to see way too many women in one day for not enough time for them or me, I just decided to just try something different and just open a clinic that was just purely for menopause, that was one-hour consultations, would give me time to put my personal trainer hat back on and my psychology hat back on and actually get into some of that stuff with them as well. Um, and I haven't really looked back and it's been just over a year now. So that's all I do. I, I just do the menodoctor clinic. Um, and it's still, you know, some people say, why are you just doing menopause? That's, you know, it's like, why wouldn't you? It's massive. Mm. You know, it will never be boring. It will, mm. there is, it's just such a huge topic, a huge life phase um, that has been ignored and neglected for too long. So I thought, right, I'm going to give it some love um, and that's all I'm going to do.
0: Mm, That's so so great and it's funny because I reflect, even my mum said to me, why are you doing so much work in perimenopause and menopause? Because we never really spoke about it so much and I'm 41. And I said, well, mum, you know, we've never spoken about it. I, I vaguely remember you going through it. But I don't know the ins and outs of it. And you know, us women have been cheated out of knowing about our bodies and knowing about this life phase. And it's really the missing link when you talk about health and well-being and, and health and well-being in the workplace. We just don't talk about it's just a you know overlap cookie-cutter approach. Men, women, this is what you're given and that's it. So it's like, and I think I think that's part of the um, the silence because we haven't spoken about it. So and then when you do, people are like,
2: why are you doing that? <laughs> Mm, bang on, yes. i think i think it can there was an article not that long ago in the daily mail in the uk and it was someone semi-famous saying women should shut up about menopause this is a female it was a semi famous female and it was like oh no don't let let's not say that especially not another woman come on sisterhood let's you know and it was like well where has being quiet got us and sucking it up and acting all macho um it's not good for men either, to be honest with their, you know, the suicide rates higher in men than women because men don't talk about issues enough, even their own. So, you know, we should talk about things, not not just menopause, really, a lot of other things. But, yeah, keeping stum and putting a brave face on um, is actually not a good idea.
1: No, and it's not. And as you know, a lot of women uh, experience quite a number of, you know, a heightened Um, element of anxiety and depression through this time and if they're not given the opportunity to talk about it I mean where's that going to lead them
2: to a dark dark lonely place you know and a brave face is is a lot of effort to keep on oh it's hard and and it doesn't it doesn't serve its purpose at all um you know you cannot bury things and they they don't go away they fester Mm -hmm. you know so yeah being more open about the good the good parts and the bad parts you know the, w- the warts and all kind of approach to it so it's not all doom and gloom but you know there are some painful parts and some dark parts and you have to shine a light on them
0: mm. So true. And it's so true what you say as well. We, whether we like it or not, we are role models in our family network, even friends, even if we think people aren't watching. And you're so right that when we can be open and talk about what we're experiencing, it helps to create that safe space for other people close to us. So it's, yeah, it's very powerful. You've been very busy, Beaver, and uh, you have put out a menopause survey which you have run in New Zealand and you're also releasing that across Australia as well. Do you have any preliminary findings from the survey yet and, and what are you learning from it?
2: So, yeah, the New Zealand one's literally only just finished so um, and we got four thousand, just over 4,200 responses on that, which is just wow. incredible. Yeah. But it kind of proves... That women want to talk about this, you know, and the survey was actually quite long. You know, when I was writing it, it was um, I was wondering, oh, is this too long? No one's going to bloody fill this in. You know, it's too bloody long. But actually, I was thinking, no, I think it it needs to be long enough to capture anything. And I think women do want to sit down and actually fill something like this in because it's it's all these layers that that maybe they're not talking about enough and they're not feeling heard. And this was kind of a, a way to feel more heard. So, so, yeah, a lot of people filled it in. So I haven't started the proper analysis yet, but I have kind of started to look. And it, it is really sad, most of the stories there, you know, it's which I kind of, you know, I've heard so many stories over the years, literally hundreds one to one. So I kind of knew there was this secret sadness out there. Um, And the survey, I thought, well, that's a way to bring all these single stories together, you know, because everybody feels quite alone. Um, But it was a way to sort of to create some numbers. So I haven't got results yet, um, but even just looking at the preliminaries, you know, the the, the questions about how it's affected their work life, Mm -hmm. you know, some really sad things there, how it's affected their sex life you know and their sexual intimacy and their relationship with their partner um you know it it is mainly going to be quite s- sort of sad stories really but that that's the truth and I think we need to face that and then we can make things better you know um, and then the Australian one I've uh, hasn't been going as long um and that's That's got uh, 1,600 now. People have completed that. So that's, you know, getting up there. It would be nice to try and get at least equal amounts with the Kiwi one, probably a bit more maybe if you compare the populations. Mm. Um, So it is still out there running, and it's on – you can get to it from menosurvey.com, and then it's all all anonymized. Um, You don't have to give your email address if you don't want to. And then all the the results will come together. And the plan with that is the same as the plan with the New Zealand one, which is to present it to as many places and people as possible. So in New Zealand, I'm going to be doing some workplace and some sort of work based presentations on the findings, but also at the um, Australasian Menopause Society um, conference that's going to be in New Zealand this year Um, and then to the Royal Colleges of GPs, for the one here and for the one in Oz when it's completed as well, because there's some questions on there about how have women found their treatment providers, you know, in terms of who, who have they gone to for help? You know, was it their GP? Was it a naturopath? Was it a dietitian? Was it a psychiatrist? Was it, you know, and how did that go and did they feel supported? Um, so it's a way to, to sort of get all these different aspects of menopause Get some numbers, a bit of data to feed that into people who hopefully will be able to change things.
1: It's so powerful. And we'll actually include a link um, to the survey, Linda, in our show notes. So our listeners can feel empowered to go and fill that out. But um, you know, that connection that you were talking about, even with your partner, it's there's no, I don't think there's any coincidence that we see a high rate of divorces um, happening around this time in women's life. And I've read stories around women saying, I wish I knew back then what I was going through because I probably wouldn't have divorced. And that's that's really sad, isn't it?
2: really sad really sad and you almost you know a lot of women they almost look back and they are they don't recognize themselves Mm. you know and I I, probably the sentence I hear the most is um, I feel like I've lost myself yeah you know when they're still in it and then when they're post menopause and they might be reminiscing and they say I really don't recognize that version of me that I was for those 10 years or Mm -hmm. and you're right there are some decisions made either by the woman or by someone else, you know, as a result of what was going on, that that really then changed the course of what happens for the, for the future in that person's life. And, you know, sometimes those decisions are for the wrong reasons. Um, sometimes they're not, you know, the other thing that can happen in this mm. life phase is it can be so empowering that women decide quite rightly sometimes that there are certain things in their life that are not very good for them. Yeah. And that, that might be a person or it might be their job, you know, and actually, you know, there, there's that's the empowering side of the intolerance that we mm. get, I suppose, you know, where mm. you kind of draw some lines. Sometimes it can be hard to know when you're being unreasonable and when you're just being empowered, um, but there are times when actually some of those life changes are for the for the good of That's the woman, but there's lots of examples when actually it probably wasn't. Mm-hmm. And if she could turn back time, get more support at that moment, she would probably do things differently. And that regret's a hor- horrible thing to, to have. Yeah, yeah, most definitely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And touch on something it's, too that, sorry, Liz, it's, nice uh, it's so critical as well that women as difficult as it is to be at a place or connected to where they are and just feel what they're they're feeling and, and be with where their thoughts are because it's only then that we can really start to move forward and we talk a lot about this that you know take a moment to be with where you are and it's only as well in those moments that we can look and reflect and say okay so am I are surrounded by the right people? Am I in the right job? What changes do I need to make? But we can sort of do it with a bit of rationality as well. And, and I guess that's the beauty of having um, your services and, and also I'll throw in our services too around that coaching and that support and helping women to connect with where they are and you know have you got have you got the right mechanisms around you and the people around you? So it's you know it's it's such a critical piece that uh, you know women need to tap into and and feel what they're feeling as as difficult as it can be.
2: Yes, and it's that whole you know being present, being mindful, you know, I mean there's lots of different variations on that, and it doesn't just apply to perimenopause and menopause, does it? I mean, it's kind of it's a manual for being a human being that we should get given you know, on day two of life, although we can't read then. But, you know, we, we should be doing that in schools. It's like, how do you operate this thing? Um, because it's probably going to go a bit strange at some point, um, you know, not just in perimenopause, but at other points as well. And, yeah, dealing with what this does and, and the thoughts we have and trying to, yeah, find some clarity in that what can feel like such a mess Um, And in Perry, it really can get messy and noisy. And yeah, you kind of lose sight of things. But yeah, you you also have to not fight everything. You know, there's that in ACT, which is sort of the main sort of therapy I've sort of looked at. You know, there is that. it's, it's acceptance although that's a I don't think that's quite the right word it's kind of letting things be mm. even the unpleasant things because if you put the brave face on too much you try and fight it too much you're just fighting again that's just another battle um and yeah there's got to be that peace with with all the emotions even the bad ones a little bit and to like you say try and clear the fog and get some clarity and and figure them out which it it can be so difficult though can't it? in the thick of things Um, and you do need help with with that that thing and a lot of women just feel like they're floating around in a storm on their own and nobody's helping them paddle um is kind of how it feels isn't it
1: yeah and you know it's frustrating too because a lot of women they also and rightly so want the answers around well how how is it that I can be in a meeting and I just have this hot flush over coming, and I have to apologize for it. And I say, well, number one, you shouldn't be apologizing it for it because, you know, it's just something that happens. But there's also that acceptance um, that it will, you know, that it can happen, actually helps you deal with it. But often it's not the it's not the uh, the result or what what women want to hear, and and I totally understand that. So there's a real
2: acceptance, but a denial about it at the same time. It's hard, isn't it? And it's hard to, because everyone's different as well. You know, we yes. are all different, and how much we're willing to accept or not differs. You know, how much perfection we want to achieve differs, and all of that has to come into account when you're um, with someone or trying to help someone. As I know, I'm sure you guys, you know, have this. You can't have one size fits all in whatever kind of healthcare professional you are. Although I know medicine feels like that to a lot of people. It feels like you've got X, Y, Z, here's your pill, go away. Um, That's unfortunately because in 15 minutes, (laughs) it is actually quite hard to get any layers off um, because of that ridiculous time pressure. Um, Plus, when you've come from hospital medicine, which all doctors have, um, that's a very different practice to being a, a GP or a physician in in a different way you know in hospital it is wham bam thank you ma'am mm. really because it it is keeping people alive so that mindset is is in us we've all gone through many years of that mindset of we haven't got much time and we don't want anyone to die what are we going to do you know it's like bish bash bosh but then when you translate into a different field in medicine especially like general practice that's not what it's like, it shouldn't be like that. But you've still got these horrible restrictions to work within these time restrictions. Um, and people do want you to simplify and answer their problems, and um, preferably with some sort of number or blood test that doesn't exist for perimenopause, you know, right. it does, there yep. is no test for perimenopause. But we're so you know, our bodies as women, especially at this phase, are so messy and confusing. We just, we do, we're desperate for some science to cling to sometimes, I think, you know, to, to have some answers. But unfortunately, often there isn't this simple answer. And as you say, the power of the mind is massive. And certainly with hot flushes, you you can have a certain level of control over them. I mean, it's, it's not fair to say women should, should and can just think themselves out of them or into them but you can certainly exacerbate them as soon as this gets involved in the wrong way um so yeah you know we need this is our greatest tool yeah with everything um yeah
0: and I often share the quote or the equation rather that what we think creates or equals what we feel and what we feel mm. equals our um, reaction, our response, yes. our inaction or the action that we take. And mm. it does, it derives from here and, and it derives from our beliefs in the first instance that then create our thoughts. But, yeah, thoughts equals feelings equals um, action.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, this is the boss and sometimes the boss gets it wrong you know the the other thing I often say to women a lot is I say you know at this point in our life our body is trying to talk to us because our brain is constantly talking to us and often that chatter is not actually very helpful or accurate mm. but it's you you understand it you hear it you talk the same language we don't always talk the same language as our body does but certainly when as soon as we seem to hit our forties our body finally finds its voice. So I use this analogy a lot. It's like you know, you know, the bloating and the insomnia, and that you know, the, the aches and pains. It's it's often your body saying, "I don't like what you're eating." Yeah. You know, I've I've never liked what you're eating actually, but I've um, <laughs> I've put up silently with it. You yeah. know, even when you were eighteen, I didn't like any of the stuff you did then, um. But I let you get away with it, um. So, yeah, there's kind of this the body starts talking as well. But, yeah, the mind ultimately determines most of what happens to us by what we choose to do or not do. Um, So, yeah, it it is our most powerful weapon and sometimes it works against us. But if you can harness it to be your friend, um, then a lot of other things improve we often say that the body whispers to us all the time but then it gets
1: to a point where it starts screaming at you because it doesn't <laughs> like what's happening and uh, you're bang on right in your 40s everything seems to catch up to you catch up and you'll often you know we'll often work with clients and go oh, it's never been a problem before but all of a sudden I just I've got this or I've got that go, yeah well you know it probably has been a problem but you you it just hasn't let la- your body hasn't screamed at you loud
2: enough to take notice yeah it really is far too tolerant yeah I mean it as doctors it does our head in you know you it's kind of like blood pressure for us doctors because that can be a real sneaky one which is why it's always useful to get it checked Mm. um and often you know at the end of a consult I might say oh I'll just check your blood pressure you know while you're in here while we're chatting about something else and I do it and I'm like oh my god you know it's and I've got it I'm thinking how am I going to tell this person their blood pressure is dangerously high without making it go any higher um And they were feeling absolutely fine, you know, and I had no reason to think it would be high. Again, the body can be very quiet even if something bad's going on inside it, um, which is a bit of a design fault, really. It It needs a better warning system. Um, but yeah, the warning system gets louder in perimenopause. There's no doubt about that, which is kind of a good thing as well as a bad thing. Um, But it does mean you can't get away with things like you used to and life seems a bit meaner and all the fun stuff suddenly is not fun. Yeah, not as fun as what it used to be.
0: Yeah, that's all wonderful feedback, Linda. And I think you, you bang on in that the body spends its lifetime being very quiet At Own Your Health Collective, we use a five pillar framework, which encompasses the self, the physical, the mental, the emotional and the spiritual health. And we'd love to understand from you, is there any one of these five pillars that stands out for you in your work? And do you also think that there's one of these pillars that stands out that women should start really looking at and starting to nurture to support them through this phase?
2: I mean, it's hard to pick one, to be honest, isn't it? Because they are all hugely important in their own right and as a team you know they sort of all work together I suppose what I often find myself talking about with women is probably more this this self focus and sort of you know I think as women we tend to be the givers don't we you know we are the givers we are always looking after other people um And we juggle a lot. I mean, that's our superpower. We get quite smug about that, don't we, that we can multitask and men can't. Um, And then actually in Perry, we sort of we can lose that multitasking power a little bit. And that can be a real shock. Um, And we can't seem to juggle as much as we used to. We also start to maybe feel a bit empty with all the giving, you know, and not that it's bad to be a giver, it's beautiful and it's, it is part of our nurturing nature. But for me, it's sometimes about thinking about yourself a bit more and realizing that's not selfish, you know, to look after ourselves, to nurture ourselves like we nurture other people. So that kind of self-compassion and being kind to ourselves and realizing that no is not a dirty word. You know, and sometimes we can we have to say that um, and we shouldn't give so much that we are empty. Um, so there's that that self sort of concept that, you know, looking after yourself is not selfish. And I suppose for me, I got to the point with so many women I was seeing that I wanted to look after them. I could see them coming into my room empty. Um, And they'd go out of my room with that brave face back on, hopefully feeling better than when they first arrived. But they still have that face back on out in the waiting room, you know, but I would see the reality. Um, So to kind of scoop them up and for them to help themselves and not feel guilty about it. Um, Mm,
0: Beautifully said. And it goes back to what we said earlier about connecting with where you are and doing that unapologetically as well, I think is, is really important. And I'll just add, yes, no, is not a dirty word. And also should, let's get should out of our vocabulary. No more shoulds.
2: (laughs) I agree. Get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah,
1: we don't like it. And actually, if we catch ourselves doing it, we quickly change it again. So it's, it's a tricky one,
2: That It's like a little addiction, though, isn't it? You, it is. Yeah. It's, and it's part of, you
1: know, and a lot of this is a, a habit-forming thing of what we've been used to over the years that we've just evolved as a person, isn't it? It's the habits that you're used to. And I think one of the biggest things in perimenopause and beyond is that you you the way you move, the way you eat, the way you sleep, like you you learning to do it again because you don't necessarily do it, you know, what doing it the same way as what you have previously done doesn't serve you as well at this phase of your life, so you really need to get tweak. You know, have have a tweak about that, and that's really hard for a lot of women because we're ingrained with our habits and what we do and how we go about life. So, yeah. So it is Linda, change, isn't it? It's all about change. It, it is, and it's just, History and it all comes at not the best time. Just quietly, there's so many other things going on. It's, yeah, the timing is terrible, frankly. Yes. Yeah, I know. Whoever thought about that, they need to have a good look at themselves. So um, this podcast, Linda, is all about power and finding, nurturing and using our personal power as we transition through life phases in this perimenopause and beyond. And we would love to know from you, what does coming into your
2: power mean to you? I think... um... In a way, it's what we've just been saying is that kind of dis- self-discovery, I suppose. And mm. um, it sound, sounds a bit cheesy, but self-love, you yep. know, um, that that's that's where true power sort of comes from. And it, it doesn't mean arrogance. You know, I think we can think of it as an ugly thing, but it, sometimes or, or as women, we're not comfortable with it. Because it, it feels arrogant, it feels selfish, but it's not. That arrogance is something different. But that power from just knowing who you are, what what you want, and um, what you don't want, and sort of having your life boundaries there, and feeling like you're living true to who you really are, and accepting the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, and and flourishing, and feeling like you found yourself. Um, truly, you know, I think that's that's the powerful gift of Perry that we hopefully get eventually. Yeah, I do love
1: that. It just yeah. takes a while to see it. And then once you see it, you go, oh, okay, because the benefit
2: of hindsight is so wonderful, isn't it? It is. When you're in the thick of the storm, you really mm. it's really hard to see anything, isn't it? And you can understand mm. you're just spinning around grabbing onto something for dear life so but yeah when that smoke clears and it, you, if you can find ways to help you clear that smoke then there is sometimes i say it's like we're we're in a boat it's really stormy it's it's not a pleasant journey but there's a beautiful island we're headed to and if you mm. just keep going and hang on and your husband can help you row right. as well you know <laughs> you're going to get somewhere really beautiful oh i do love that <laughs>
0: So good. I love that. Yes. It's, yeah. the, it's the yoga teacher in us, <laughs> Lise.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's exactly what it is. And I've got the benefit of learning from both of you. Well, that, that brings us to the end. But you know what, Linda, I would love to um, touch base with you once your um, questionnaires been collated. And it'd be wonderful to have a podcast to talk about some of your findings with um. With the, with the questionnaire at, you know, at some point during the year. So we might do a little bit of a part two questionnaire follow-up.
2: Yeah, I'd be definitely keen on that. So I'd, you know, that's the point. The point of me doing it is to share what people want to have shared, you know, share mm. the stories. So, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely come back and, and let you know the, the findings and have another chat.
0: That'd be awesome. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Linda. It's been fabulous having this conversation with you.
2: Lovely. Thank you for having me
0: and I will see you again. Pleasure. Thank you, Linda. Thanks again for sharing your time with us, learning how you can be your best energetic self, no matter what life stage you are going through. Be sure to contact us if any of this content resonates with you.
1: And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any of our future episodes. See you next time.